Well, that passage that we heard read uh, paints a world that I'm sure that we all want. One without conflict or death or decay. And yet it all seems so distant to the world in which we wake up to and live in now. But it is right for us to remember those who have lost their lives for peace and for freedoms which we ourselves enjoy today. Kate Luddard was a nursing sister who served through World War I. She was awarded the Royal Red Cross for her courage. She wrote a diary every single day, and this is just an extract from one of her letters written from a frontline casualty station. She says this, I feel dazed going around the rows of silent or groaning wrecks of men. Many die and their beds are filled instantly. One has got so used to their dying that it conveys no impression beyond a vague sense of medical failure. You forget entirely that they were once civilians, that they were alive and well yesterday, that they have wives and mothers and fathers and children. And all you realize is that they are dead soldiers and that there are thousands of others like them. The First World War claimed the lives of some 10 million soldiers and civilians. And it had been such a bloody and brutal war that it was described as the war to end all wars. And yet just two decades after it, World War II would go on to claim a further 40 million people. On Remembrance Sunday, it is right that we remember, the, remember those who gave their lives for our freedoms today, who pursued hopes, faced fears, carried their scars so that we might live in peaceable times. But we also today remember those who have lost their lives in every subsequent conflict since the world wars. We're still to this very day Heroic men and women have placed their lives at risk in war zones around the world in order to secure peace and freedom for those who lived under the threat from regimes, tyrants, tyrannies, terrorists, and ideologies which are hostile to a peaceable way of life. But sadly, the peace that we so long for in our world seems to elude us, for ours is still a world full of conflict and brutalities. We have all been shocked, no doubt, by the events that unfolded in Ukraine by Russia's invasion just two years ago. And sadly, in just the past few weeks, the war between Israel and Hamas has seen innocent civilians on both sides becoming the victims of our most recent conflict. This all goes to show and highlight just how bruised and broken and fragile our world is. Today is a day when we pause and remember 
that there is nothing glorious about war except when it is over. Now, no doubt there will be people eager to point the finger and claim that religion has been the cause of many a war, which may well be true. But there have been many things done in the name of God, but without God's approval. And it's worth saying that there have been many wars where religion was not the cause at all. Both the First and Second World Wars, which claimed millions of lives, were driven by man's greed for power, territory, possessions, though in the process, innocent Jews were made the target of unimaginable cruelties by Hitler. The writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn spoke of his reason for the Russian Revolution, which claimed 60 million of their own people. He said in answer to the question, why did that war begin? It was because men forgot God. It's because men had forgotten God. And I think Solzhenitsyn is right. The conflicts around us are ultimately because people have forgotten God. But secondly, remember that the world's problems are closer than you think. You see, we are very good at pointing the, the finger at other nations and their leaders, saying, oh, if only they were removed from our world, it would be such a better place. And again, that would be undoubtedly true to say. But still, the world would not be as God would want it or intend it to be. Because even if the terrors of wars elsewhere were removed, we would still be left with the terrors on our own streets and neighborhoods in Nottingham, with stabbings and other crimes. We would still be left with broken homes, broken hearts, broken lives. They are scattered all around us, even in this room. But the ultimate reason why these are present are because God, people have forgotten God. We have forgotten that each person has been made in the image of God. And as such, human life is precious and to be valued and respected and preserved wherever possible. We have forgotten God and no longer live by his values, but for our own where our selfish pleasures and desires come first, even if it disobeys God's laws. For when we remove God from the throne of our lives, we set ourselves up in his place. And we become selfish and greedy for power and possessions and pleasures. We live by our rules of what we regard as being right and wrong, not God's. And we ignore the voice and the words of our Creator. Yes, men have indeed forgotten God. And as a result, we now live in direct conflict 
with him. The Bible, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul put it this way. People did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. And so, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. You see, the problems in our world are not just out there between other nations or indeed other religions. There are battles going on within every human heart. What we see on our TVs and read in our newspapers is not the world that we all want, but it is the kind of world that you get when people abandon God. And this would all be very gloomy news indeed until we remember something else. It was into this world that God sent a savior. During the First World War, the then Prince of Wales was invited to a special hospital on the outskirts of London to meet 36 of the most wounded men from the war who were being cared for there. He agreed to pay a visit. Upon arrival, he was shown the main ward, where he shook hands with some, spoke kindly, kind words to many, and sympathized with them all. I thought there were 36, the Prince of Wales said, as his visit was drawing to an end, but I've only seen 30. It was then explained that six of the very worst cases were, were in a special side ward, not usually visited. Oh, I must see them, he said. And he was guided by the doctor to a side ward and saw the men. They were bruised, maimed, and helpless wrecks. But there were only five. Where is the other? It was again explained that one poor man was so badly injured that he was kept in a room alone, and it, would be not, it wouldn't be wise to see him. I must see him too, said the prince. And he was taken into a room and saw a sight which stunned him. There lay all that was left of a brave soldier. He was blind, deaf, legless, armless, and disfigured beyond human recognition as being human. Moved beyond measure, the Prince of Wales stooped down to kiss the brow of the veteran. And with trembling voice, he said, broken for me, broken for me. We can perhaps understand the sacrifice that a subject might make for his future king. But what do we make of Jesus, the King of Kings, who made such a sacrifice for us? 
for we who are so undeserving. And yet, that is exactly what he did. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, lay broken and disfigured for you, impaled upon a cruel Roman cross for you in order to purchase your freedom and offer you forgiveness for your rebellion against God. And he did so because he loved you. You see, our failure as a human race to love, respect, and follow God as we ought isn't just disrespectful. It is high treason. And as a whole human race, we would all stand condemned before him if it were not for one thing. God sent a Savior. We needed a Savior. We needed help from the outside, for we could never save ourselves. We needed someone who could bring us forgiveness for our many failures. And that is what Jesus did through his death on the cross. The prophet Isaiah spoke of what Jesus' death achieved in this way. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. On the cross, all our sin and accompanying guilt, which would otherwise have separated us from God forever, was laid on Jesus. And the full penalty of God's holy justice and judgment against that sin fell upon Jesus so that it would never fall upon us. As the Apostle Paul explained when he was writing to young Christians. In, Ephesus, in Colossae, he said this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What a wonderful wonderful truth. We have been declared innocent of all charges because of Jesus' death for our sin. And God will never revoke the verdict which he now declares over all who place their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. God says, not guilty for Christ's sake. Not guilty for Christ's sake. Friends, when we have been put in a right relationship with God, it is then that we can begin to live with His power and Holy Spirit helping us to become the men and women that He wants us to be, with a new way of evaluating ourselves 
and others. Treating others as we ourselves would want to be treated. Learning to love and to forgive others as Christ himself would. Belonging to this new community of believers who will one day live in the world without conflict or wars that we heard read by Amanda at the beginning. Because we have to remember this great truth. God wins in the end. God wins in the end. The Apostle John was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. But even though he was suffering for the gospel of Jesus, God gave him a vision, a glimpse of the end of human history as we know it. It was a vision of a new world, a new earth. He says this, Then I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now amongst the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Friends, isn't that the world we all want? Well, that's the future that Christ offers us. And it will all be like this there because God is there. Satan will be utterly destroyed, no longer his having his effects upon people's lives or on our world. But look at that last verse. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is an amazing phrase, isn't it? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There is something incredibly intimate here. Do you see what the picture is here? The picture here is of the Lord God stooping down to each of us and cupping your face in his hands and brushing almost with his thumbs every tear from your cheek like a, like a doting parent saying, no, no, they're there, don't worry. It's all over now. It's all over Never again will it harm you. It's okay. It's okay. Friends, there is so much in this world that could bring you to tears. And if you're not the crying type, obviously I am. There is so much in our world 
that should cause you to tears. There are some of you here who live with tears every day. But there will come a day when God will personally wipe away our tears and say, it's okay. It's over. It's done. Nothing will harm you here. You're safe. I've got you. And there will be no more pain. No more hospitals. Take note, doctors and nurses, find yourself a new job. No more diseases. No more physical handicaps. No more blindness. No more deafness. No more cancer. No more goodbyes at the bedside. No grief of any kind. No more racism. No more sexism. No more robberies. No more broken homes. No more broken hearts. No more broken dreams. No more broken lives. No more bitterness. No more divorce. No more abuse. No more fear. No more wars. No more missiles. No more bombs. No more terrorists. No more tyrants. No more refugee camps. No more ethnic cleansing. There is going to be no more suffering of any kind on that new creation, on that world. Oh, friends, what on earth is the world coming to? It is this. The answer is here in the Bible. But will you be a part of it? Will you be a part of it? Have you allowed Christ to be Lord of your life? Have you accepted him as your personal savior? Have you repented of your sin and are trusting in the forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross to give you? Oh, friends, do so now if you have not yet done so. Be a part of this new Jerusalem that is clothed with Christ's righteousness. Join this community and enjoy this future world where even the dust is healed. And enjoy this glorious God who makes it all so beautiful. Let's pray. And as we bow in the silence, perhaps there is someone here and you yourself know that this is the world you've longed for, the world you want. But you have not yet received Jesus for yourself. You've not yet repented of sin. Whoever you are, do so now. There is a Savior who died for you that longs to give you this 
and so much more as your inheritance in him. Bow your knee before him. Lay aside your pride. Lay aside your guilt, your shame, at the foot of the cross and receive Jesus as your Redeemer and Savior and Lord. Then these truths will be your truths. This community will be your community. This God will be your God. Heavenly Father, apply this world we, with this word we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.